Let us pray. Lord, we are very aware of who you are, that you are a good God, that you are not absent, you're not far away, you're not shut up in heaven and have no contact or desire to have any contact with us. You sent your son Jesus to come and be with us and you involve yourself in our lives every day. You're a good God. You're a just and righteous God. And because of who you are, because of what you do, we, we know that we can come to you and bring to you the things that trouble us, worry us, scare us. And so as we stand and maybe even as we sit, we bring our needs to you, the stuff that's going on in our lives. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you, that you would reach into our situations and that we may know that no matter what's happening, no matter what the storms are that rage around us, you are with us and we are with you. Give us the strength and the courage that we need. Help us and remind us, show us that you love us and care for us, we pray. We also bring before you those whom we love, those who, whose burdens we, we carry almost like our own. We, we pray for them, that you, wherever they are, some are, are near to us uh, and some are very far away. Lord, we pray that you would reach into their lives, wherever they are, and reveal yourself to them, that they may know too, just as we know this morning, but that they may know that you love them and care for them and are with them and you help them and bless them and heal them and strengthen them and protect them and give to them that which they need. And Lord, give us, give us faith eyes that we, we, can, we can catch a glimpse maybe of what you're doing in their lives, even though they're far away. Would you bless them? We pray for those who have been bereaved and we pray for Frida and her family after John's passing. May they know your comfort and your strength. In this time of sorrow, we pray for Miranda and her family as they they deal with Greg's illness. And, and Lord, even in a coma, we pray that he would know that you are with him and that you hold him in your arms. And that they would know that they can trust you. Then, Lord, we pray for ourselves. You know the stuff that we carry, that we worried about. You, you know what lies on the horizon for us, the things that lie ahead of us tomorrow maybe, or this week, this year. Remind us, Lord, that you are already ahead of us preparing the way. And that when we mess up, Lord, you are the one who comes behind and, and helps to resolve and restore. We also pray for for Malcolm and Lauren, for Malcolm and Wendy and Lauren, their daughter so far away, going through a deep, deep, dark time. May they know your presence. And then, Lord, we pray for our nation. 
when we look at our world and our country, we see so many things that are wrong. And, and Lord, we, we, we can pass judgment and make comment all the time. And we might get it right some of the time, but we, we, Lord, we trust you for our nation because we know that you are a good, righteous, and just God. And so we pray that you would give courage to those who speak truth, those who stand up against that which is evil and wrong, that you would protect them, that you would make their words and their actions bear fruit, good fruit, so that wrong may be turned towards right. And then, Lord, we simply hand over the corrupt and the evil to you. Lord, you are a good, righteous, and just God, and so we pray that you would deal with them justly. You deal with them, Lord. Deal with the evil and the corruption and the sin. But Lord, just as you deal with it out there, would you deal with us, that which is inside of us, that is not of you? May we know that we are called to live different. So be with us in this week, we pray. We commit these prayers, some which we've cried out in our hearts, some which we said aloud. We could pray them all in that name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. And together God's people said, Amen. So, second service is a family service. So, the sermon for today is kind of designed around that. But I figured, sorry, God, I'm not going to do a children's talk at this service. Sorry, Ona. Ona will get at the second service. But I'm going to incorporate some of what I wanted to do um, with the children into this service. So we're, we're kind of thinking about, the, as I said, the building blocks of, of what our faith looks like, how we're supposed to live. And, and last week, uh, in the second week of our series, we, we looked at the things <clears throat> that enable us to follow Christ as uh, Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me, Jesus says. But let me start off this morning and, and ask the question, how much time do you spend every day on the way you look? Now, now uh, I, I'm going to look at the light so that I don't look at anybody in particular. I can see that some of you spend a bit more time than others. Okay, now I can look at you again. Some of you spend a lot more time than others. And I'm, I'm looking at Wayne and, and that hair, Wayne, this morning is pretty cool, bro. Uh, just putting it out there, you know. How much time do you spend on your image, your clothes, your accessories? Um, my one son-in-law's into watches. And so, and so he has like different watches for different occasions. Um, I, I have friends who have different colored spectacles, different spectacle frames for different. I, I know what these cost, so I can just imagine having a row of it, you know. I, I know there are some guys, however, that, that if their significant other doesn't put out the clothes that they're supposed to wear tomorrow morning, nothing will match and it will be inappropriate. I know that. I know that some of you men are dressed this morning really nicely because somebody helped you. So um, the reality is that 
is that most of us think a little bit about what we're, we're going to wear, a little bit about what we're going to wear. Um, we, we kind of think about what we're going to put on before we go out, um, even if it's just a few seconds standing in front of, you know, the cupboard. It's that one and that one and this one, and there we go. For some, it's a much longer process. A couple of years ago, true story, a couple of years ago at the Willows Congregation, um, there was a little boy on Sunday morning who, who was told by his mom, listen, you can't go to church wearing your Spider-Man suit. And, and, and he kind of demanded, her, you know, why? And, and she said to him, well, we, we go to church to be with Jesus because we love him. And, and a Spider-Man suit kind of, kind of is, you know, isn't that appropriate? He's quiet for a moment and he, and he looks at his mother and, and, he, and he says to his mom, okay, then, then you'd better make me a Jesus suit. Mm-hmm. Th- that makes sense? Yeah. Then you better make me a Jesus suit. Now, today's readings will remind us uh, about, about the stuff we need to pull on, the neat stuff we need to put on, our attitudes, our commitments, our decisions, our actions, our relationships. See, the reality is that Paul, particularly Paul, is, it reminds us in a number of the letters that he writes to churches that we need to be intentional about what we do. Are intentional about fitness, then that gym membership will last for one month. If you're not intentional about putting your phone or your tablet or your TV off at nine o'clock at night, you will watch until eleven or twelve. If you're not intentional about uh, kind of cultivating good friendships, friendships that that um, build up and make a difference in your life, any kind of friends will do. And and so Paul begins to say that our faith must be no less intentional. Let me ask parents, um, and, and maybe some of you have children that are el- or, or, or um, kind of adults, but, but how many of you parents wish that you're, and you please don't um, like put up your hand because it's going to be embarrass- embarrassing, but how many of you wish your children would just study more? <laughs> yeah, Wayne. How many wish your children would just study more? How many, how, how many of you wish that they would spend less time on their sport or social media or at their friends or watching TV or TikTok or YouTube or playing Xbox? The reality is that, is that, an, is that it's true for our faith too. Unless we're intentional about doing some stuff more and doing other stuff less, anything will go. Unless we're intentional about our spiritual practices they will be, at best, things that we do on an ad hoc occasional basis. Or, of course, when we're in trouble. And, and, it's, and it's no wonder that, that our spiritual practice have been called for the longest time our spiritual disciplines. Because it's something you do intentionally. If you want to move forward in your faith and relationship with God, there are some things you're going to have to do more of, and some things you're going to do have less of or stop. But intentionality is critical. One of the things that the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, was very clear about was that Christ's followers had to practice their Christianity. That in sharp contrast to many of his day who believed you simply needed to live a pious, pious life, a, a pure life, you, you know, just do, do, just be, 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 be good um, and be holy and, and be better than everybody else. 
And so in, in, in John Wesley's time, those who kind of believed that would often go and, and on, on kind of two, three, four, five-year-long retreats, they used to go up into the mountains and just disappear. But John Wesley said, we need to live out our faith where we are. We need to live in such a way that the people around us can see. Mr. Wesley said that the, the, to Methodist people that practicing your faith, doing Jesus' stuff, was as important as believing in Jesus. These two things he kind of held together very tightly. Believing and doing. You could not have one without the other. And so we look at, at some scripture, and, and the first little scripture I want us to look at, and, and we'll look at another one in a moment, is Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Paul, Paul writes to the Christian church in Rome, and he says, Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ as if he were your clothing. Now you understand why I was asking the question. How long do you spend getting dressed every morning? In fact, if you read Paul's letters to Christian communities all around the place, Colossae, Ephesus, Rome, Galatia, he, he, he speaks most about our identity, who we are in Christ. And, and, and if you read you know, all of those letters, you begin to discover that, he, that he's very strong on the fact that, that, that if, if we follow Christ, our identity is, you know, we're no longer Greek or Jew or Parthian or Median or, you know, Egyptian. We're, we're Christ followers. That's our new identity. We, we're no longer known as people who are from that city or from that town, but, but you are a Christ follower. That, that, it's your new identity. And if you're in Christ, then there are some things you can just no longer do. And last week we looked at Jesus. We looked at Jesus' message, which said, "Repent and turn away from that which you know is wrong." And and so you know, Paul is very clear. Jesus is very clear. There are some things you can no longer do, but there are some things you need to start doing, because if you're in Christ, you need to start doing life differently every day. So you need to put on Christ daily. Or writes to the Romans, like you would do with clothes, put put on some stuff, and and you also need to take some stuff off. Now I'm not going to be taking stuff off this morning because this is not that kind of church, um, but we're going to talk about putting on. So we go to Colossians, Colossians chapter three and from verse twelve. Colossians three from verse twelve. Paul talking about our identity and what flows from our identity. Colossians three twelve. You, you are God's chosen people. You are holy, dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud. Don't, uh, don't be proud. Be gentle and patient. Put up with one another, forgiving one another. If you're holding anything against someone else, forgive just as the Lord forgave you. And over all these good things, put on love. Love holds them all together perfectly, as if they were one. So Paul's talking about identity, and first of all he says, you know, you are God's chosen people. Last week we kind of hinted at it, and I spoke a bit about it on Wednesday night at Life Group. And by the way, uh, public holiday this coming Wednesday, so we're not doing Life Group, but I spoke about it at Life Group that that the interesting thing about when Jesus calls disciples, 
he calls to him the people he wanted. You are the ones that God wants. You are the chosen people. You are his cho- He's chosen you. And you, and you, and you. You are God's chosen people. But more than that, you're also dearly loved. Loved so much that Jesus' son was prepared to die on the cross for you. To pay the price for your sins and for mine. That's who you are. That's your identity. You are are God's chosen people and you are loved. But he goes further. He says, "You're, you're also holy. Now, we, we kind of have an idea about holiness kind of being the kind of Mother Teresa, you know, very quiet and pious and, and living the God life in, in an incredible way, uh, away, kind of often away in, in, in Christian communities, away from the public eye, maybe up on a mountain somewhere, you know, because if you, if you have to deal with people all the time, you can't be holy because people are just weird. But the understanding about holiness in Scripture is way more than that. The understanding about holiness in Scripture is that if you are holy, you are set apart for God's work. That's what holiness means. That's why, you know, um, Peter, writing to Timothy in in, uh, the the letter of Peter, kind of talks about the fact that that you are a holy people. Why? You're, You're set apart for God's work. So... So not only are you chosen, not only are you loved, but you're also holy. You're set apart for living a very particular kind of life in a very particular way. For example, the in the in the temple there was a bowl, a, a gold bowl that was that was used for one purpose only. It was to collect the blood of sacrifice animals in the temple. It was a holy bowl. It wasn't a colander, pulchikis. <laughs> It was a holy bowl because it was set apart for God's work. Just one thing, one job. And you and I are are loved, called, and chosen, and set apart for God's work. We are at His disposal, not our own. We 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 can't do our own thing anymore. We need to do His thing. Holiness doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. You but you're set apart for God's work, and that means you trust in Him. Completely. You're holy, set apart. And then Paul speaks about the fact that if you're set apart and you're holy and, and you're chosen, you love the, the way you need to love, you need to, need to put on mercy and kindness. And then once you put on mercy and kindness and goodness and gentleness, you, you put on love over everything because, because love is the thing that holds everything together. Verse 14, they, they put on love over everything. Your love for Jesus and your love for people. Now, how do you think we put on these things? How do you think we put on these things? I've been talking about the fact that, that we, we need to live an intentional Christian life. And the way that we put on these things, the way that we put on Christ is by being intentional in the way that we live. And so Paul uses the image of getting dressed. So let me ask a question. If this is my compassion scarf, 
and I put it on, then I need to, how do I need to live? I need to be compassionate. And if these are my humility pants, now this is going to be tricky, but I'm going to try. If these are my humility pants and I put them on, then how do I need to live? I need to be humble. That actually worked. And if this is my kindness waistcoat, somewhere, there's a hole at the back. Yeah, there we go. If this is my kindness waistcoat, then how do I need to live? I need to be kind. And if this is my patience hat, then how do I need to live? I need to be patient. And of course, right at the end, Paul says, over everything, put on love. So if this is my love overcoat, and now I'm warmer than you are, then I, how do I need to live? Showing love. And, and that's the point that, that Paul makes. Is that, is that just as every morning when you, when you kind of stand in front of the cupboard, or you pull out a drawer and you decide, uh, which one am I going to wear? We need to make sure that we put on kindness, gentleness, patience, humility, love. There are some, sometimes, and, and, and in this season, we, we get it, you know. I mean, it's been so cold the last few weeks that Oaks in Pretoria have also been wearing um, shoes. Just stay. I mean, we get it. There, there are some people who just don't dress appropriately. I mean, I, some of you may remember Arthur, who used to be kind of part of this congregation. In the, middle of, in the middle of winter, with frost on the ground, Arthur would wear slip-slops and shorts. Because um, his, his thermostat was broken. And his mom said so. His mom said to us, uh, from a baby, like, the temperature regulation wasn't great. But, but it's very difficult to say to kids, you know, put on something warm when Arthur's around because we're in shorts and slops and the frost is on the ground. So sometimes you need to dress more appropriately. And Jesus calls us to live in such a way, Paul reminds us, that we need to put on Christ just like put on specific things to live in everyday life. So I guess the question I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you with, and I want to say to you, is how much time do you spend getting dressed every morning? Do you put on kindness, patience, humility, and love? Because the reality is, if we're not intentional about these things, anything will go. So here's a challenge. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, 
be intentional about thinking about how, how can I be more compassionate today? How can I be kind today? How can I put others first, be humble today? How can I show patience today? How can I love today? Find some way to do that every single day. And, and friends, what happens when we do that intentionally, we, we may not be able to do all five of them or, you know, or the, you know, show the fruit of the Spirit every single day um, all the time. But, but if we're intentional about it, we'll do one or two of them every day. And that will become our practice. That will become our practice. Put on Jesus. Put on compassion, humility, and patience. And over everything, put on love. In a moment, we're going to come and share in communion. I'm going to take the hat off because I think that will be appropriate. But, but I'm going to keep the others on as we share in communion as a reminder that we need to put on Christ. And I, I want to say to you, as you come and kneel, may it be for you kind of moment when you say, Lord, help me to put you on. Help me to put you on so that when I, when I leave this building, I go to the shops or go to the family or go to friends, or even I'm just going home to my dog. Help me just to be kinder, gentler, more compassionate, more patient, more loving. Put on. Let us pray. Could I ask the team to join me up front, the worship team? Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to, to live a very intentional kind of life. A life that demonstrates to the world every day who you are and how you want us to live. Help us to put you on. And may people see you in the way that we're compassionate and loving and gentle and kind and humble. May they see you. And in that way, Lord, may we, may we shine for you, not just today, but every single day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.